Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning and welcome. I'm Heather Caro. And this is Deacon Paul Trinan. And we're broadcasting this morning from Abbey of the Hills. It's a beautiful day, Deacon. It is a beautiful day. Usually we have the windows open and we can hear the birds and the bells and all kinds of beautiful rural smells. <laughs> yeah, this is true. But today we got the air conditioning going. It's a little bit warm up here. It's a little bit warm already. In uh, northeast South Dakota, but it's a gorgeous day. Had a little rain and yeah. now we got sunshine. Yeah, perfect. Well, before we get too... St- far into our great show we have this morning. Will you start us in prayer? I will. Heavenly Father, we ask for your light to be upon us, Heather and myself and all of our guests, all of our guests, and we ask that your light be reflected in what we say, do, and um, the good works that you've, you've gifted us with to be used in a holy manner. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So, Deacon, up here at Abbey of the Hills, for those that aren't familiar with Abbey, where are you located? We are located, oh, I would say um, approximately 10, 12 miles to the west of Millbank. And if you're not sure where Millbank, South Dakota is, think about Watertown, South Dakota. We're probably about 40 miles to the northeast of Watertown, South Dakota. Or, if you're not familiar with Watertown, we're about two hours north of... um, Sioux Falls, yeah. you know, and about two hours south of Fargo. Fargo, right. Yeah. You're yeah. nice and centrally located. And what does the Abbey of the Hills do? Well, the mission of the Abbey, the mission of the Abbey is to foster the rediscovery of peace. And we do that, we do that in a number of ways, but primarily through religious experiences. Now, we are um, an ecumenical retreat center, although I am a permanent Catholic deacon as its director and Our board is made up of mostly Catholic folks, but at the same time, we welcome our Protestant brothers and sisters. We'll do retreats for um, confirmation, for um, women's um, prayer groups. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll do uh, men's uh, men's Lenten retreat, for example. Um, We've got silent retreats. We've got, uh, um, you know, just a But you also do fun things like reunions. Correct. And so that's... That's another area we do. We do related to artwork, um, painting retreats, um, even like, um, oh, fabric creating retreats. Yeah. Um, I'm not well, very and I'm artistic giving, and you I'm don't. giving the Abbey a good plug here because with COVID, it's yeah. been a struggle. It is a struggle, yes. Still and it is so for is. so many folks. It right. is so for so many folks. And we're not alone in that for sure. But so I wanted to give the Abbey a good I plug this morning. That. It is. That if you haven't um, come out here and... Because I also... I was talking to a friend recently about your little cabins you have. Yep, the Hermitages. The yep. Hermitages. And, and they're available. Uh, we, we're really promoting um, families to come up here because it's a gorgeous time mm-hmm. to be um, out in God's creation. We sit on approximately 90 acres. we got a couple of uh, small lakes that we're surrounded with, floating mm-hmm. docks. And, An uh, affordable family vacation. Oh, for sure. For sure. And it's, and it's beautiful. And uh, it, really, it's not that far away. It's not that far away. And um, 
it's a blessing. And I, I just, every morning I say, okay, Lord, what's going to happen here? Because I know you, I know, mm-hmm. I know he's in charge. He's in charge of this ministry with a real presence. Mm-hmm. Um, talking to Brandon, talking to Steve. I mean, that's obvious. Yeah. And, and he, sometimes I think COVID is a reminder to, to me, I'll just say to me, um, of who really is in charge. Right. And it's just surrender Does to it that. have to be so brutal, though? Yeah. <laughs> But everything that's worthwhile, everything that's lasting is a challenge. And I think that kind of blends into some of our speakers today or some of our guests. Absolutely. So. I'm excited for our, new, our first one. I did not know this, but Hannah Zomer is with us this morning. Hannah Zomer. Good morning, Hannah. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming in. And tell us a little bit about yourself so the listeners know you. Um, well, I am Hannah Zomer. I am Deacon Paul's daughter. I live in my hometown, Ortonville, Minnesota, with my husband, Trent, my two daughters, Charlotte and June, who are four and a half and almost two. And we really ha- cute, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> really cute and rambunctious. Um, we have a almost two-month-old foster babe with us, and oh, then... Wow. I am due with my third baby in September, so wow, we're about to get really busy. <laughs> yes. So I'm like really interested in this because I just met you, and you brought, I'm assuming, Charlotte? Yep, Charlotte, my eldest. And she's hanging out with Grandpa, and we're enjoying her this morning, and then you're also pregnant, and so I d- you just said you have two kids at home, a foster child, and you're pregnant. So when did you lose your mind? <laughs> when was the one that you did? That's probably what my husband thinks. <laughs> so let's go back. So you are, it's difficult to have children that young at home, period. Yeah. Um, I actually was always thinking I would have my kids like two and a half years apart because I didn't want to have a whole ton of little ones at home and that would yeah. be overwhelming to me. But clearly God had other plans. Well, and it is overwhelming. Even if, even if you know, God, you know, my sister has five children. I was only blessed with one, you know, and somehow he provides the energy that you need because that's mm-hmm. really the, the issue here, you yeah. know. <laughs> it's all about the energy. <laughs> so how did you get into foster care? Well, um, I think I started to get interested about a little over a year ago. There's a quite a few families in our community that do foster care and then I follow a few foster families on social media and I think it was around the time that I think New York was passing a law about allowing late-term abortions and I've always been very pro-life and that really struck a chord with me because I don't agree with that but um, some of the foster moms were talking on social media about how if you're truly pro-life, it doesn't just go from, I don't agree with abortion, like that shouldn't be allowed. You have to support these children beyond the womb. Mm-hmm. And that kind of convicted me because I hadn't really thought about it that much. I mean, my older sister is adopted, so that's kind of always been on my mind. But they were talking about, you know, if we're wanting these babies to live beyond the womb and we're encouraging these women to have babies who are you know a lot of times not in good situations and they don't have a lot of support then we need to be that support for them and then if they're not able to provide for their children then we need to be the ones to care for them until they can or if they can't you know Mm -hmm. step in and 
something one of the foster moms I followed really kind of conflicted with me and struck a chord was you'll hear a lot of people say oh that's great that you do foster care but I could never do that I get too attached and mm. I agreed because I'm like I would like I'm supposed to love this child and nurture this child and then you know the goal of foster care is reunification so there's a good chance that they could go back to their family or you know go into a situation that could be great but it could not be in I think that's probably one of the tougher parts of foster care. The second half of what you just said is the part that scares most of us. Yeah. yeah you, you used a word that I don't hear very often in my normal reunification. Explain again what that, maybe a little more detail on that. Um, that just basically means that for a certain time period, the goal of foster care is to reunite the child with their parents or... If that's not possible, then other family members, like that's the first and foremost goal. And then like the last option would be adopting to someone who is not family. But yeah, they really, really try to make it work with the parents and then Mm -hmm. the family member because that is what is best for the child they've seen. Right. So uh, go ahead, Heather. Well, I was just curious, you know, um, thinking as a mother... You know, and you have a two-month-old. How long have you had the two-month-old? We got him when he was three days old. Okay. So it's been a while. Yeah. You know, I mean, for a newborn, you become attached quickly, I think. Yeah. And, you know, I I understand when people say that, but it's also like that's that's what you're there to do. You're there to get attached as a foster parent. You're there to step in as their parent and love and nurture them. Like, that's 100% what you're supposed to do. It's extremely hard because I'm a planner, so yeah, I like to know what's happening, and I don't. And it's very hard knowing I don't know what's happening next week. And, you know, and I'm obviously having a baby, so that's on my mind, too. And just the thought of, like, him leaving, I can't think about it for too long because it usually ends up me in tears because right. it's hard. It's not something I want to do, but you always have to think, like, what is best for this baby and that's what I have to pray for every day like God what's best for him like what is your will I guess I I get the prayer from my dad he always says make sure you are praying let God's will be done because I want what my will to be done like that's Mm what will make me happy but I know sometimes that's not always what God wants and I don't know if that's what's best for this little baby so if I pray for that then that's the best outcome for him. Well, now, I would think it would be very easy um, to jump to conclusions. My uncle, who lives out in Wyoming, has adopted five, oh, wow. fostered five. And it was, you know, it's this long story of how they all came to be, but they're all related. Okay. But um, he just recently was able to adopt all five of them. And I think it was very difficult for them because when they would go to court and different things like that, you get to hear some of the backstory. How do you reconcile different things with that and not be too judgmental? Because everybody walks their own journey. Um, Well, first off, I would say sometimes I am, but I just pray for a lot of grace for the parents because, you know, I grew up in a great loving home and I live a quite comfortable life. And I know a lot of people don't have that. I just, 
as frustrating as it is sometimes because I don't understand their choices and why they're doing what they do, I just have to remember that, you know, they probably didn't get the same upbringing I did, and somewhere in their life they hit a crossroads where they didn't make the right choice and that just led to all these other decisions. But, I yeah, I just, I just have to pray for a lot of grace for them and then, yeah, just constantly be reminded that people don't just get to these places, you know? Right, right. They just didn't have that love that I had growing up, like... You know, it's some of it's on them, but a lot of it is they just didn't get the same upbringing I did. And if I didn't get that, where would I be today? So just trying to give them a lot of empathy, which some days are easier than others. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Deacon, I think we should take our first break. All right. Um, because this is a very interesting conversation with your daughter, um, Hannah. And we're broadcasting today from the Abbey of the Hills. I'm Heather Caro. And I'm Deacon Paul Trinan. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. And we're going to come back with more with Hannah Zomer. And we're talking about foster care. So we'll be right back. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Honor your father by word and deed, that a blessing from him may come upon you. Sirach 3.8 Our priests guide us on the right path and teach us about our Catholic faith. At Real Presence Radio, we'd like to honor them for helping to deepen our relationship with Jesus. Each week on Real Presence Live, we honor our fathers with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. You can nominate your priest to receive special recognition by going to yourcatholicradiostation.com. And thank you to all our priests for your service to the Holy Catholic Church. We're excited to announce the special broadcast of the Episcopal ordination of Bishop-elect Peter Mewich, the next bishop of the Diocese of Rapid City, Thursday, July 9th at 10 a.m. Mountain Time, 11 a.m. Central. Listen live on the radio, online at realpresenceradio.com, and via the RPR app as we bring you this joyful celebration from the cathedral in Rapid City. It's the Episcopal ordination of Bishop-elect Peter Mewich, Thursday, July 9th, 10 a.m. Mountain, 11 a.m. Central. It's a great time to spring into summer at Riverview Senior Living Community in Fargo. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. We are currently accepting new independent and assisted living residents. Riverview provides a safe, comfortable place to live with a small town Main Street feel with home-cooked food, a la carte care services, daily activities, and mass five days a week. You can contact Marin or Katie to find out about all that Riverview has to offer at 701-237-4700 or at homeishere.org. The world is changing fast and needs problem solvers and critical thinkers. Right here in your backyard, Not Marty believes every student has the potential to serve the world and make a difference. We will help you obtain a degree that prepares you for success by exploring your talents and passion. Our community goes above and beyond to help each student feel at home, surrounded by love and support. We can't wait for you to see what's possible. And we hope the future brings you here, close to home at mountmarty.edu. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back. I'm Heather Carroll. And this is Deacon Paul Trinan. We're here at the Abbey of the Hills. It's a beautiful Tuesday, Tuesday morning. Wednesday, Wednesday morning. Welcome. Thank you. Thank Good morning. You. 
<laughs> We're talking with your daughter this morning, it's, Hannah. It's a privilege to visit it with is. her. It is. I'm excited. So, Hannah, give us some dirt on Deacon. Oh, no, wait. Wait, wait. <laughs> We're talking about foster parenting here. Our, our subject is foster parenting, not Oh, dirt, I have to stick to the... Dirt on Deacon Dad. <laughs> it's not that, no. Okay. Let's well, a, let me ask you this question, Hannah. You have a husband, um, and his name is Trent. He's a really terrific... Terrific man. Uh, I'm blessed to have him as a son-in-law. Are you guys on the same page when it, you talked about about a year ago uh, and even the, the journey since then? Are you? Uh, and I think that's important for couples that may be listening to think, oh, here's the perfect scenario. It's got to be just perfect to be pa- foster parents. Is that is that the case? Um, no. Um, when we <laughs> started this, this was definitely more... Um, I wanted to, or I felt like God was calling me to be a foster parent, and I talked to Trent, and he was, he was not very on board. He kind of was not thinking it was the right time. He thought maybe, you know, maybe we can do this when we our kids are older, kind of a thing. Um, he just wasn't being called, and so that kind of. That was a little bit hard in our marriage for a while because I felt so, I felt 100% like I was being called, so I didn't really know what to do with that. And so I would just bring it up every now and again and re-bring up the idea and say, Trent, you know, I really feel like I'm being called. This is how I feel like God's speaking to me. And he would just kind of say, you know, I'm not being called. I feel like you're trying to force me into this. And... You know, for a while it was it was kind of really heavy on our marriage, and I kind of just said, you know, I think maybe we just need to start the process forward, and then if God's gonna, if it's God's plan, He'll stop. So mm-hmm. let's just take that first step forward, and let's start the paperwork. And we also talked to a couple in the Ortonville area who I think helped a little bit because there's just so much unknown, but they gave us some stories and so I think he felt a little bit better about that he definitely still wasn't on board but I just said you know what I think we just need to start this process and you know we'll keep moving forward and you know God never really stopped us and um, when we first started we said we will just do um, I'm drawing a blank but where you just do Oh, um, um, respite. Yeah. So just, respite okay. it can be anywhere from an afternoon to in Minnesota to 30 days. And so I said, we'll just, you know, get our feet wet kind of a thing. But, um, being a small town, there wasn't that much opportunity for this. So, um, for, we got certified in about November, December, and I did daycare for a little baby for another foster care family in town. And so that was a really good step into it. And then about the springtime, I felt God saying, you're going to, I'm going to ask you to take on another child. And I was getting nervous because I was like, ooh, Trent's not going to like this. This Mm -hmm. is going to be, we're having a baby. This is going to be really close. Like how much is God going to push me on this? To the point where I never even told Trent, but... God was calling me and reminding me, like, this is going to happen because I thought he would just be like, nope, we're not going to do this. So um, when we did get that call, I said, you know, I'll have to talk to my husband about this. And 
he still wasn't 100% on board, but he said, you know, we can try it for a week. And I said, yep, that sounds good, because I didn't know if I wanted to take on a newborn when I was going to be giving birth in three months. Mm -hmm. So we did it for a week, and it went pretty well, and he was very supportive. And now it's, he said we can keep doing it, and so... We're still doing it. and So you're still kind of trying it out. Yeah, he says, well, we're still supposed to be doing respite. That's his joke. Like, <laughs> But, um, you know, he's been super supportive, and I'm very grateful for that. But, you know, I think a lot of people sometimes think, you know, both spouses have to be very much on board. And, you know, if that's how it is, that's great. But I think a lot of times it's one of them is feeling called more than the mm-hmm. other and that can be hard, but it, I think it also can provide a lot of growth. And it's not uncommon in a lot of aspects of marriage, mm-hmm. though, is it? It's sure. Not, never. Oh, where are we going to go on vacation? I mean, that's a silly example. But how many children are we going to be having, or or where are we, you know, where are we going to move to with this mm-hmm. position? You know, sometimes there's there's a level of trust and a level of uh, surrender mm-hmm. to that too. Well, and I think, too, it's interesting to hear you talk about this because I don't know much about the foster care system, even though my uncle adopted five. So what happens if, you know, you give birth and, you know, like, God, this is too much? What happens? You know, do they have somewhere else for the child to go for people who don't know too much about it? How does the system really work? So when we have our baby, we will the little baby we have will go into respite for a while. We're not sure how long, just so we can adjust to our own baby coming. And then, um, yeah, we'll, you know, try it out. But they definitely know that when we talked about going into it, like they knew this would be a lot for us. So I think they would be very understanding that, you know, if this was too much, and I think that's something you have to think about. It's if it's too much for us or if we're not able to give this other baby the care that he needs that that needs to be looked after so that he would just go to another family who would be able to provide that care that he needs because, you know, foster care, while it is a very hard calling, you should, um, you can't just do it because it's the right thing to do. You have to look at what's best for the other child. So even though I might want it to really work for with four kids and for him to be there, if that's not what's best for him or if that's not what's best for our family, then I need to have the courage to say, hey, you know, he needs to go to another family who can provide him with all his needs because right right now I can't do that for him and that's not what's best for him because he's already going through enough in this whole situation. So Deacon, as a father, when she brings this up, what what are your first thoughts when she brought it up for the first time? The first time um, it was like she, she said... There was a foster child that she was helping, um, like doing daycare for, and that was good. And it's weird. I mean, you you don't want to maybe bond the way you mm-hmm. would with a normal child, a biological child, because it's it could be quite transitional. It could be a week later. But at the same time, you know, when I go through and I pray for my kids and my grandkids, I pray for this boy now because. He deserves it. Yeah. Well, and I think it's I think it's 
you know, I think the root of a lot of what we're talking about today is the dignity of a human person. So whether that's the dignity of his parents or the dignity of him himself, he does, they all deserve the same love that we have. The basic question here that anybody who is going to be foster parenting or not has to answer is, is human life sacred? Are we made in the image and likeness of God? And as Christians, as Catholics, the answer should be shouted, but it should be also lived. That's what Hannah and Trent are doing. That the answer is yes. We are sacred. All life. This little boy is sacred. Now, he may be a part of our life for only a short few weeks or a couple of months. But my, oh my, what's going to happen to him because of that? Right. Yeah, the profound love that he's experiencing right now. So foster parents that are people that are hearing this for the first time and never considered it, but maybe are feeling a tug on their heart for foster care, what advice would you give to those people who are listening? I would say pray, pray a lot about it. I would... um, you know, find foster parents in your community and have conversations with them because they're going to be the best resource. How do they find them, Hannah, in the community? Um, I would just talk to, I think there's a quite a bit out there. I mean, there could always be more, but I think just talk to your friends, talk to your priests. You know, I think someone usually knows one. Mm-hmm. And so I think just family services, with that family be services, communication, um, I would also say, like Trent and I did, you know, if you're thinking this is something God's calling you to do, just take that first step forward. I know it's very scary, but he'll lead you. And then if it's something he's calling to do, he'll open the door. And if not, he might close it. Mm -hmm. I would also encourage people. I know foster care is not for everyone or maybe right not, not now in your life. But, you know, it just like your own kid, it takes a village to help raise these child and nurture them. And it's hard calling. So... You know, just support those foster parents in your family, I mean, in your community. Um, So whether that be bringing a meal to them, um, you know, a lot of times there's babies or there's toddlers, you know, figure out what size they are, drop some diapers off. You know, you lose a lot of sleep, so drop a coffee (laughs) off, let them know you're thinking about them. you know, if you find out there's a little girl who's a size three and you have some size three clothes off, drop them off. You know, um, yeah, it can get kind of expensive. You know, they help you out with that kind of stuff. But, you know, just, you know, providing them with that support. I mean, it's super helpful. Like, if you dropped off diapers or if you dropped off a meal, like, that's wonderful. But it's also just so encouraging knowing that, you know, somebody's thinking about you and, they're giving you that support. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also an adjustment for the biological children. So maybe come over and offer to take those kids to the park, kind of, so they're getting some more attention during that adjustment period. I wanted to quickly ask you about that. How have your biological kids adjusted to this little... Oh, two, they're great. Um, that was one of our concerns when we did this, is how is this going to affect them? We could be having children coming in and out of the home, and, you know, they might get a two attached, but... Um, you know, especially my eldest, Charlotte, she she just is showing us a ton about unconditional love. My husband and I were just talking about how she, 
she just she just loves on him and you know she knows that he could be gone in a month or something or longer or shorter but she just loves him and she's just so happy to see him every morning that he wakes up and I know she would be the same if he left tomorrow and then we got a new kid next week she would just so she's just been teaching her a lot she's teaching her a lot and she's teaching Trent and I a lot about you know you just love them that's Mm -hmm. why you're there they just need love and nature nurture wonderful well Hannah thank you so much for sharing your foster parenting experience with us and we'll keep you and the little one and his family in our prayers thank you very much it's Hannah for having me yeah did I say Hannah (laughs) yeah no I'm just kidding Thank you for coming in, Hannah. She wasn't too sure when her dad dad said this this could be a really great subject. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to visit with one, one woman who's accepted a special call to evangelize while living out her vocation as a spouse and mother. All this and much more coming up next. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Real Presence Live. 